0: Again, happy Mother's Day. Today I'm using for a sermonic theme, a parent's love. A parent's love. Parenting is heavy. Parenting is a lot of work, but worth the investment. Parenting is rewarding. Parenting is the greatest blessing and challenge of my life. Parenting is something I hope one day to experience. Parenting is the art of seeking vulnerability, practicing faith, and maintaining the powerful posture of being humble, says my PhD colleague. Parenting is something else, says my sister from the hood. Parenting is that gift that keeps on giving, says my friend of an adult queer trans son. Parenting teaches us how God feels about us, says my clergy sister. Parenting is a lifelong commitment. Parenting is a journey. Parenting is a lot, says my young mom of two kids who will not go to sleep at night. Parenting is worry, worry, worry. Parenting is fantastic, but very challenging. Parenting is more blessing than burden and bundles of fun, says my hippie friend. Parenting is the most amazing experience, says my cousin and upward bound classmate. Parenting is a roller coaster ride. I'm either sitting at the edge of my seat or the speed twist and turn causes me to slightly lift out of the seat. Once it pulls in at the end, the excitement and courage of wanting to go again, says the parent of a child with mental health challenges. Parenting is no end. Being a grandparent is better, one grandparent says. Another chimes in, I agree with the grandparent and great grandparent position tops them all. These were words written by people who responded to my post this week soliciting feedback on reflections of parenting. Feel free to add yours in the Facebook chat and on Zoom chat as well. I personally agree with Forrest Gump. What he says about life, I think it's true of parenting. You never know what you're going to get. Rhonda was a young mom and she hadn't grown up with a lot of examples. Life had been rough, but she knew what she wanted. She knew she wanted to do right by her kids. She knew that she felt immense love and she wanted them to go further in life than she had. Getting them to school felt like an accomplishment, a whole in and of itself. But her kids weren't doing all that great and often the teacher would meet and talk to her. She remembers one day the teacher pulling her to the side and hearing her say, you know, kids need eight hours of sleep. They need to have a bedtime and they need to have a nourishing breakfast to get a great start in the morning. Rhonda didn't take it as criticism. She actually was astonished. She felt empowered when she heard this information. It had never occurred to her that kids needed to go to bed at a certain time and that they needed certain kinds of food in the morning. She had been winging it, but this knowledge gave her new information. Rhonda went on to grow in her role as a mother who hadn't had much modeling herself. She learned how important structure was, not only for her, but for her kids to excel in school. But prior to the teacher, she confesses she didn't know what she didn't know. This is where we enter the biblical text this morning. The text implies that Jesus learned how to love from his parent, God. As the father has loved me, the text said, so have I loved you. Further in the text today, it says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. In other words, Jesus was passing down what he learned to the disciples. In other words, we get our notions and our understandings about love from others, usually older and wiser, in such affairs. That's why we often say, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Because love and or the absence of love gets passed down through the generations from mothers and dads and guardians and aunts and cousins and neighbors and teachers and sometimes even strangers. Like used clothing and big family, love gets passed down. In the matters of love, our first teachers are often our parents. We can expand and grow, but our beginnings are usually in our parents' gardens. The text today starts out with saying, we know how to love because we have been modeled love by God. In other words, you kind of need to be taught and exposed to certain things in order to know how to do them. And by extension, parents are often lifted up in the Bible as the guardians and teachers of kids. In the Old Testament, there are lots of rules and commandments around the care of boys and girls. The passing down of knowledge was very important. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he grows old, he will not depart from it. As it relates to the laws, Deuteronomy 11:19 says, Teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down, and when you rise. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. One scholar says, It is the commandments that help us to love. These instructions written down for the Israelites and taught help them to love, help them to walk into this higher call of loving. The rule book helps to lay the foundation. Appearance love makes right in the world what is not and gives us a good foundation, keeping us out of the gutter. While we do not always appreciate appearance love, we know when it is missing. Brian played soccer, and his dad attended every game. Brian took it for granted. He didn't really think about it much at all until his dad told him one day, hey, I can't make your next game. His dad had made every other game. He knew that his dad supported him. He knew that his dad loved him. But when his dad missed this first grain, he found himself feeling in some kind of way. He kept looking at the bleachers, even though his dad said he couldn't make it. And his dad wasn't there. He had acted like he didn't care, but now he knew, even if no one else knew, how much his dad's presence meant. Nothing can replace a parent's love. A parent's love is a solid foundation. No matter what we are going through, we expect God to be there. No matter how late it is, we expect God to answer. No matter how many times we fall, and we talked about that on last Sunday, we expect God to pick us up. We lean on God, and when we can't get an answer, when we feel like we didn't get a clear direction, we miss God's presence. The love of God lays down a foundation in our life. A few years ago, I went bowling with kids. We got our lanes and we got our shoes and we started looking for balls. I have to confess, watching kids play any kind of sport is just hilarious. And so I was looking forward to having some fun. I like bowling even though I rarely, rarely go. We had gotten our shoes and we'd gotten them on and we had picked balls. And I wondered how these little kids were going to pick up the lightest balls in the bowling alley, which are a, 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 a size eight. A. And we were bowling and having fun. When I began to look at the crew next to us, it was another group of people and and likewise kids as well. And what I noticed is that these kids, no matter how they threw the ball, the ball always managed to hit pins. I, I was frankly amazed. The ball would look like it was headed to the gutter, but then it would make and bounce back. Well, after observing this over and over again, I began to realize that at the bowling alley they have something where they put up these aids on the side for kids if the parent asks for it, so that the ball can't go in the gutter. Now the snob in me says that's cheating, how are they ever going to learn? But I tell you, since that day I keep thinking of the spiritual metaphor of that imagery. God loves us so much that God keeps us from going in the gutter. God's commandment keeps us out of the gutter. There have been plenty of mothers and fathers who have kept their kids out of the gutter, who have prayed for them, who have advocated for them, who have tried to teach them, who have prayed and cried, prayed and cried, all the while trying to keep some of us out of the gutter. One of my friends, Courtney, is a new grandparent and oh my goodness, she loves her grandbaby. He is new to the world and I have to say he's cute. I'm not saying anything about your baby or your grandbaby, I'm just saying this baby is really cute and he is being showered with so much love and he just smiles naturally. And you know, it's just something about babies, I've noticed. Even before we had COVID, if a baby came to church, I might as well just sit down because everybody's looking at the baby and people want to hold the baby. And there's something about babies and that new start and that freshness that just gets us all involved. But the amazing thing about babies are they're born empty slated. They're born and all they have left is to have an imprint of their parents' love placed upon their lives. You see, a child is born as an empty slate, but the child can be taught to fear, or a child can be taught faith. A child can be taught judgment, or a child can be taught grace. A child can be taught all about rejecting others, or a child can be taught to accept. A child can be taught impatience, A child can be taught that anything worthwhile in life takes time. A child can be taught to lie, or a child can be taught honesty. And just like that, a child can be taught to hate, or a child can be taught to love. And often, these virtues and vices get passed down. And right here in the text, Jesus models for us love. But Jesus learned also, Jesus learned from God. And I never quite got it before, but for some reason, an epiphany opened up for me as it occurred to me that this kind of love invites us to be willing to lay down our lives for each other. The text says, no one has a greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Just sit with this for a minute. All of Jesus' life was leading up to this moment of having to do the ultimate, laying down one's life. Now, I know we don't walk around wanting to lay down our lives, but all of our life may lead to that point. Over a decade ago, the movie Crash came out, and there's a part in it where it's this Latino family, and the father as part of his special relationship with his daughter, taught her about this cloak of protection. It was something that existed between the two of them. He gave it to her so that when he was away, she could put on this cloak and she would be protected while her dad was away. One day while on his lawn, an old crazy guy who thinks he's been harmed by this girl's daddy approaches him with a gun. When the daughter comes out, she assesses that her father is in danger. The father also knows he's in great danger, and with all of his might in his eyes and demeanor, he instructs his daughter to go back in the house. But now she's already been taught. She's already learned the power of love. He had taught her, and she had believed. And so when she sees her daddy in danger without any thought, she is willing to lay down her life. And she runs to him because she's got the cloak and he doesn't. And he needs it right now. Love cancels out what her daddy is saying. Because after all, he was the one that taught her the willingness to lay down her life. The text reminds us today just how wide love expands. Jesus reminds us that love is that Powerful. It necessitates action. Emily Askew notes, love in this passage is not some psychological state, nor is it anywhere described as an internal quality. But love here today is an action, a really difficult action. The definition of love here is a radical willingness to die. Love keeps us out of the gutter. Love is willing to lay down our lives. And last, love, parenting, is choosing others. The text says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You had nothing to do with your arrival. You might want to take a credit for a whole lot of other stuff, but clearly your birth has nothing to do with you. You were chosen by God. And God kept on choosing you. God chose you in the beginning, and God chose you in the Garden of Eden, and God chose you in the burning bush, and God chose you at the Red Sea, and God chose you on Noah's Ark, and God chose you at the Wall of Jericho. God chose you in the lion's den, and God chose you on the mountaintop, and God chose you. At the well of thirst and God chose you in the bed of deception and God chose you on the stormy waters. God chose you in the beginning and God chooses you now. God chose you in the Old Testament and God chose you in the New Testament. In the person of Jesus, God loves steps from passivity to participation in a sacrificial way. God's love in this world transforms lives and communities and creation god keeps choosing you over and over and over again and as a result you keep falling in love with god over and over again and god chooses god chooses you a parent's love today i end with a video of a grandparent who couldn't sit on the sides while her grandson is playing Cause love is an action. Love is an action that calls us, even though it may be difficult. And so when the game starts, she can't just sit. She's that grandmother some of you probably looked at and said, I sure wish she'd be quiet. I sure wish she wouldn't be so loud. It doesn't take all of that, but love rules. And so not long after the game starts, she finds herself on the sidelines, encouraging her grandbaby because They are always our babies. No matter what the age is, it's not just enough that after you've done all you can to stand, that wasn't enough, but she begins to move. And it's not just enough to move in the will of God, but she begins to walk. And it's not just enough to walk and talk, she begins to run. And it's not just enough to run, so she begins to shout because God has been so good to her. And it's not just enough to shout, but she's all the way in because that's what love is all about. It's all in, all of us. All in, and at this point, she doesn't even care how she looks because it's not about all of those who sit on the sidelines in the first place. She cheers him on. I believe in you. I believe in your capability. I can't sit on the sideline. I choose you. You are mine. There ain't nothing like appearance love because when everyone else wants to write you off and gets tired of you singing that same song one too many times, we can get tired of each other real quick. We can get tired of running with each other and being faithful real quick. Appearance love kicks in. I'm so proud of you and even when I'm not proud of you, I ain't gonna let nobody else talk about you. A parent's love rises when they see their baby playing. I know your potential. Play your best game. Share your best life. I love you. I chose you even before you knew you were in the world. Ain't nothing like a parent's love, for God so loved the world. Ain't nothing like a parent's love, that God gave God's only begotten Son, God chose you. And there ain't nothing like a parent's love to keep you on the straight and narrow. Ain't nothing like a parent's love to keep you from going in the gutter. Pass down a second and a third time. Ain't nothing like a parent's love. It will lay the foundation so that when you want to go into the world and you might wander, but you won't get lost. It's the light unto your path. Today as we reflect on her mother, let us think about a parent's love because there ain't nothing, nothing like a parent's love and that love, that love always chooses you. Amen. นักกิลาเพิ่มเลยเข้าคนเชียร์นะ <coughs> <คนเชียร์นะ coughs><คนเกลอดนะคะ coughs><โอโฮโอโฮ coughs> ขึ้นที่ <cười> <cười>